0: Special episode of the is Podcast. It's episode 122, I'm your host Bruce and I'm flying solo again this week. Um, we've had some, uh, some a bit of a snafu getting us all recorded at the same time, um, something about report cards being an issue for me and Lux being busy at work and all that jazz. So you're just going to get me this week and we're going to get uh, get things underway. I'll try and keep this one short, last time I did a solo was about 30 minutes, so That's the goal. Get you 30 minutes, get you in, get you what you need to hear, get you out. All right, so um, there's a little bit of housekeeping before we get on to stuff. If you like what you hear on the show, you can always go find all of our back episodes and anything else related to the show at thelotuscouncil.com. So that's, you can always find the show, but you can also find all the other content the Lotus Council puts out, including deck techs, uh, box breaks. Uh, The Discord is particularly happening with lots of cool people. Uh, in the discord having lots of great conversations about all things magic related so if you're looking for some place to get into for that's it's going to cost you absolutely nothing and it's going to provide you lots of great value on on your end come and check out the com come and check out their discord come and see for yourself and i think you'll be very pleasantly surprised at what you find so come and check out the com. big thank you to them for po- hosting the show each and every week um it's a great place for you guys to, to check us out also, a reminder: we have an ongoing giveaway. So we have a bootlegger stash that is a foil uh, that Lux is giving away, and I have a pack of MH two uh, draft pack uh, that you can. So we have two potential winners. So stick around to the end of the show to find out how you can be entered to win one of those. Our show tonight, we're just going to go through some uh, some brand new cards from uh, the Brothers War, and but first we got to do a little bit of Garbage or Great. So tonight's Garbage or Great is Tatsunari Toad Rider which is uh, a creature from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So two and a black for a 3-3 legendary creature, Human Ninja. And it says, whenever you cast an enchantment spell, if you don't control a creature named Kemi, create Kemi, a legendary 3-3 black and green frog creature token. Uh, Also with, whenever you cast an enchantment spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And then one and, assault and a and up sorry one and a simix or a green or a blue, Tatsunari, Toad Rider and Target Frog you control can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with flying or reach. So this is a card that is uh, that appears as a sort of a Sultai enchantress commander, and initially it was really well received. There was a lot of people were really excited for this because we've had lots of green white or um, sort of. Uh, Enchantress-style decks, so a lot of mono-green Enchantress. Um, to get a Sultai-colored Enchantress deck is pretty cool. Um, and it Tatsunari appears as the commander in almost 37, 3800 decks um, and ranks about 105th. But you would sort of think that a card that... Enchantresses are a very popular deck style. There are tons of people who love to play um, this sort of... Um, this sort of theme. And so... Consequently, you would sort of expect that um, Enchantress decks might be like a Sultai Enchantress deck that had never existed previously, might be a little bit more well-received. But um, I think what has happened uh, to Tatsunari is that it suffers from the fact that um, there have been so many other terrific commanders printed since he released as part of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which was about a year ago. If you think about it, Kamigawa was released in January of 2022, which is not even a full year old. But we have think about all the legendary creatures that have already been printed. Some of them are crazy powerful. Others have been largely forgettable. Tatsunari is of a a persuasion where, while it's got good abilities, nothing is so unbelievably game-breaking that you have to play it. It's not a a must-have. Very, you know, obviously, it doesn't have a CEDH component to it. There's no CEDH deck listed in the CEDH deck database. Um, that's not to say you couldn't try and build it as such, but it's a lot more difficult to try and turn this into a CEDH uh, deck. And so, consequently, the power level being which I think is a very appropriate power level for some, they would deem it to be not powerful enough. Um, and consequently, probably gets underbuilt. Also. I believe one of the things that sort of held it back is that um, it takes a lot of work to try and get this sort of um, this sort of deck to go off because the black component to your deck doesn't have the same card draw that a Enchantress deck gets from the Enchantresses in white and green. You're just getting the, the, the green ones. And so if you're short some green Enchantress cards, um, not that there's a no shortage... But you're just lacking that redundancy. And yeah, you can compensate with casting things like um, Brimia Phyrexian Arena or Underworld Connections. These are enchantments that are going to allow you to play new cards, draw more cards. The, the truth of the matter is that um, the, the card draw is a little bit more suspect than it was in a green-white enchantress deck where you have the enchantresses from both colors feeding it um, you know, the ability to draw cards. Now, personally, I think this card is actually probably pretty great and underappreciated. Um, obviously, I think the fact that this partners with Ivy is a really... I don't mean partner as in truly partner, but you can put Ivy in the deck as another really powerful way to generate a lot of value with, with Tatsunari that I don't think a lot of people have explored in the same way we, we got all excited about our Tatsunari decks and we didn't go and look at the other tools that we received, particularly received in Dominari United uh in like Ivy. And then again with Diplomacy, which I think are both really key cards that Tatsunari needs. But if you built the deck like in fe- January or February, 2022, and you haven't really updated it particularly because you're building so many other decks and maybe you've forgotten that Ivy and Duplumancy and so many more go in the deck. Also, I will also say decks that can play Gitrog, um, you really shouldn't just turn up the opportunity to play Gitrog. Gitrog is very powerful. If you can get your Gitrog online, um, you're going to be in very, very good position. Short order. It doesn't take much to make a Gitrog deck. Gitrog deck go totally haywire. So, um, I think the card is actually really quite good. I think it's probably. I think it actually is great. Um, it would be something that in down the road, I would take a chance at building and seeing if I can't put together something spicy that I would play. I think the power level is going to be something that is going to be appealing to your play groups uh, that will and it can be scaled up and scaled down a little bit to, to appeal to the nature of the people you're playing with. Uh, making it flexible, uh, but I think the impact is powerful and something that is, you know well worth the time for us to explore as a card that it has great potential and could be something that people really enjoy playing, uh, in that it creates fun gameplay experiences. So, I think, personally, Tatsunari Rider is great, and is getting two thumbs up for me. Alright, next, let's see, where did we get to? Ah, yes. New cards from Brothers War. So, we started getting Brothers War previews, uh, they started being previewed this past weekend, at the Magic 30 event in Las Vegas. And so, let's have a look at some of these cards, uh, and I don't necessarily know where they're all going to go because some of them cards, some of these cards are very difficult to evaluate um, and see. You know, once you until you've seen the whole deck in or sort the whole uh, set, and on top of it, some really cool other abilities, uh, other things that might figure into it. So first card, we have Arcane Proxy. So seven mana, mythic. It's a four three artifact creature wizard, um, and also has a, car, a card type called Prototype. Uh, That says, uh, it looks like an alternate casting cost of 1 blue blue for a 2-1. Because prototype reads, you may cast a spell with different mana costs, color, and size, but it keeps the abilities and types. So for 1 blue blue, you get a 2-1, or you can spend 7 for a 4-3. And the ability on the card reads, when Arcane Proxy enters the battlefield, if you cast it, exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value less than or equal to Arcane Proxy's power from your graveyard. Copy that card. You may cast this copy without paying its mana cost. Ooh, that's spicy. So, ooh, pardon me. Very clearly, um, you're very tempted to play something that is going to be uh, cost less or equal to Arcane Proxy's power. Obviously, the targets you want to get are big draw spells or extra turn spells or, you know, other such things. Um... So Arcane Proxy is very, very cool in that regard. Um, but being able to get it for a one blue blue, there's lots of powerful, um, lots of powerful uh, instances of sorceries that you can go and find at three, at three mana or less that are well worth the time to, to play. So I think Arcane Proxy is going to be a really interesting role player. Um, I'm going to be curious to see if the seven mana is a deterrent or if uh, people start playing it for the one blue blue, and use it as a way to uh, essentially snap caster mage back their thing, um, whatever that may be. Um, so I think arcane proxy is very interesting. Uh, I don't know exactly where it's going to go. Obviously, some sort of obviously heavy spell slinger deck might be the obvious location, but I do think uh, it's going to get some some good love. Uh, I do think it has lots of upside and potential to be a very useful card. Next, this card, we talked about this on the show actually not that long ago. Uh, Lux commented that we had seen many of the other Praetors, but we had not seen this one yet. Yet, So here we go. We have Gix Yogmoth Praetor. One black black for a Phyrexian Praetor. Legendary creature is a 3-3. And whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, sorry, combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may pay one life. If they do, draw a card. And then four black, 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 discard X cards. Exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among the most cards. Exile this way without paying their mana cost. This is a really interesting card, and I don't really know what quite to make of it. That opening line, whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents. In a commander pod... This could trigger without you so much as even attacking. So let's think of a four-person pod. You're player one, and you have player two, three, or four. If player two attacks either three or four, Gix is going to trigger, and you could draw a card off that if he deals combat damage to one of your opponents. So that, I think, is a really interesting wrinkle to Gix, but it also... um, Sorry, no, maybe not. Oh no, whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, it's controller. So you can't trigger, but your opponent could. So if player two attacks to player three, he could use that ability too. Oh, we'll have to get that clarified with a judge. But I think that's how that one works. That's really interesting. And I'm not sure quite what to make of that. And then four black, 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 which that's a heavy mana cost. Discard X cards, exile the top X cards to target opponent's library you may play lands and cast spells from among those cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. So, seven mana, discard some number of cards from your hand. So, you're going to want to probably sandbag some lands or something that you want to pitch to go dig off the top of your opponent's graveyard. top Sorry, opponent's deck. I don't know how much people are going to play that ability. I am curious. Now, if you're a big mana black deck, with your crypt Ghasts and your cabal coffers and your cabal strongholds and and other ways to make lots of black mana, then maybe you get a chance to activate Gix. But I am—it's unclear to me that that ability is something that's going to be overly relevant more than once in a while. Sure, I think once in a while it's going to do something fun and cool, but I think you're mostly playing Gix for that first ability, which looks pretty neat. I think I like Gix. I think Gix is really interesting um i'm very keen to see what people do with him um i wonder wondering if gix plus uh makes for an interesting interesting combat or interesting deck construction but i think more than anything just seeing gix for the very first time is pretty cool and uh makes me pretty excited for the set up next we have hercule master master wizard so Hercule Master Wizard is 1 blue blue for Legendary Creature Human, uh, human Wizard Advisor. And she's a 2-4 and it says, At the beginning of your end step, if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn, reveal the top 5 cards of your library. For each card type among non-creature spells you've cast this turn, you may put a card of that land type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So that's a lot of words. So let's see. For each card we cast, you we put put a card that type from among those in your hand. I don't know what to make of this stone. Really, I really don't. I'm very curious to see is how uh, if this can be broken suitably. I believe it probably can. Uh, it just needs a little bit of uh, a little bit of love and somebody thinking about this. At this point, I'm not quite sure. Um, quite what to make of this card. Um. It's brand spanking new and, and there's not a lot of data on it and to see where it goes. Um, I'm fascinated by the card. I think the ability is pretty neat. For I think it's for each card type among non-creature spells you've cast, cast this turn. You can put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. So you could do a lot. You could potentially draw quite a number of cards. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I think it's very cool. Um, as Lux sometimes says, we need to w- wait and see what the where the where the where the the evidence takes us, but I think the card is interesting. People I think are going to be keen to play it. All right, next we have in the trenches, one blue sorry one white white creatures you control get oh it starts an enchantment creatures you control get plus one plus one, five and a white exile target non land permanent you can you don't control until in the trenches leaves battlefield, activate only as a sorcery and only once. So. This is a really interesting Anthem effect. So 1-White-White white is a very reasonable Anthem effect. But now you have a secondary ability um, to exile, target, and all permanent you, you don't control until it leaves. So you, you could land this as an O-Ring, use it as an Anthem, and then activate it later if you have extra mana floating around. I think this card is, provides some good flexibility. Um, I think Unlimited is going to be an absolute menace. I do think um, the anthem effect is be powerful in soldier decks or mono creature or like monocolored or heavy white colored decks, um, so that we can uh, really make use of that anthem type type effect. So I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Um, So yeah, let me know what you think. Next, another mythic. We have Phyrexian Flesh Gorger, seven mana for a artifact creature Phyrexian Worm. It's a seven five, and it says menace. Life Link ward pay life equal to phyrexian flesh Gorgers' power or you can cast it for prototype one black black for a three three so i don't think you can go wrong with this there folks like seven mana for a seven five menace lifelink i think is outstanding um there's the menace giving it some evasion the lifelink is cool too um it's going to really force people to think about blocking this thing um if you can somehow protect it then you're gonna be laughing and laughing it way all the way to you know the next set because this is pretty cool like I think this I like the ability to have it come down on three as like a like kind of like feels kind of like a morph where if you don't know what to do you can curve this out at three um or if you have things to play you can then curve out and keep it at seven drop it as a seven five with medicine life link and really Really go to work. I mean, I just like that flexibility on this. So, I'm a big fan of Fleshy and Gorge, Flesh Um, I don't know what deck it goes in. I'm not sure anywhere about that. But I do think the card's pretty sweet. So, yeah. Next, we have... Okay. Oh, goodness. Another artifact with prototype. We have Skitter Beam Battalion. Nine generic mana for a 4-4 artifact creature construct with trample and haste. When Skitterbeam battalion enters the battlefield, if you cast it, create two tokens that are copies of it. So if you cast this and not reanimate this, you get a healthy bonus um, or you can cast it for the prototype of, uh, three red red. You get this very interesting effect to get, you know, because what interests me here is you get create to create tokens that are copies of Skitterbeam Battalion. So you're making either three 4-4s four or you're making three 2-2s two for 5-mana or 9-mana respectively. And then if you put it in something with a doubling season, a parallel lives, an anointed procession, maybe all of them. Uh, you're looking at a chance where you're getting a lot of creatures very quickly and don't really know what to do with it all. So that's my thought on Skitterbeam Battalion. I think it's pretty, pretty awesome. Limited bomb for sure. Um, But yeah, literally bomb for you. All right, next. Let's see what we have next. We have uh, Teferi Temporal Pilgrim. Oh, Teferi. Let's see what Teferi's talking about these days. Teferi, Teferi looks pretty cool. I have to say, folks, if you haven't been keeping up on the previews, he looks pretty amazing. Alright, so three blue blue for a legendary creature, legendary planeswalker to fairy. He's got loyalty four, and it says whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on to fairy temporal pilgrim. So a zero, you draw a card. Minus two, create a two-two blue spirit creature token with vigilance. And whenever you draw a card, put a plus one counter on this creature. And then minus twelve, target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand. Then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. <coughs> so, okay. The fact that you this is going to gain loyalty count on account of drawing cards is a little insane. Which means you're going to be able to draw cards all the time, keep your teferi loyalty real high. I don't think it's going to be real hard for people to get to 12 loyalty and then this becomes like an ultimate that is actually very achievable. So yeah, I really like this card. Um, I like the minus two where you create a blue spirit token and that, that can grow with the game too. So yeah, no, I really think that that's really quite good. And um, I mean, I don't know exactly where it's going to go. Do I think it'll be played? I, I think so. I think the card is probably a little bit on the high side for cost wise. But I think people are going to play it and i think the card is pretty uh, the the card's pretty awesome let's see next argoth sanctum of nature oh this this is these these are three cards that go together so argoth so it's a land it says argoth sanctum of nature enters the battlefield top unless you control a legendary green creature i haven't seen that line of text before too frequently where a legendary creature of a particular color so tap this to add a green or two green green. Create a two-two green bear creature token until the end of the year. Activate only as a sorcery. So I like this card um because it does a couple of things. First off, the fact that it can come into play untapped. They've given us tons of two, uh, two and three mana um legendary creatures. So you could very easily have Argoth come into play untapped. Or you could just tap him and see what happens. Um I like the fact that this also this doesn't create um, this doesn't turn itself into a, land, a creature. It a, creates a teacher, sorry, a creature that I think is ultimately far more useful. But also the mill ability allowing you to mill your cards into your graveyard is actually probably something you know that we need to make sure and how to teach students how to or players how to do that, like. How, how to use mill and how to use the land as a way to gain advantage through, um, the two two bear token. So you're not, you're not using cards from your hand, but you're impacting the board and giving yourself more access to cards. I think this card goes really well. My, my first spot was to put this in, um, in Sidisi brew tyrant where I'm looking to mill anyway. I don't know if you have the mana to, to mill particularly frequently, but the fact of the matter is, if you need a bit of a mana sink, this could do it for you. All right, let's see. we got th- three to go. Um, Titania, Voice of Gaia. So one green, green legendary creature elemental with reach. But what is the creature type elemental? There's a whole lot of fuss around elementals right now in Pioneer and Modern. Um, and Risen Reef has re-emerged as a card that people are playing so Titania might be something people are looking to play. All right. So Reach. Whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, you just gain two life. And then uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if there are four or more land cards in your graveyard, uh, and you both control uh, uh, and you both own and control Titania, Voice of Gaia, and a land named Argoth Sanctum of Nature, exile them. Um, then meld them into Titania, Gaia's incarnate. So this has also has the ability to meld, or like meld and create a pretty cool creature with that arc with Argoth. And so let's go back and read Titania. So a three four with Reach for three mana is good stats. Um, I like the creature type Elemental. Whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, you gain two life. So you're, you know, you're milling with uh, your Ar- Arba Argoth and then you're gonna be gaining life thanks to Titania and I think that's pretty cool um, and don't forget we get our, our basement in order and yeah so we can get our Titania online and get moving with it so I like, I really like Titania. Um, I wanted to read the back card though because that's the real good good stuff. So Titania Gaia incarnate. So this is what they melt into together. So, star, star, legendary creature, elemental avatar. Vigilance, reach, trample, haste. Titania, Gaia's incarnate's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. When Titania enters the battlefield, return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Which is a very powerful ability, so I like it. And then three in a green, put four plus one plus encounters on target land you control... It becomes a zero one one elemental creature. Uh, with haste, it's still a land. Um, yeah, so this is Titania. And is, and the real question becomes, is it worth your while to play the Titania and the, the Argoth just to get this sort of card? I don't know. I think it is, um, mostly because if you can resolve the Titania, Gaia is incarnate. You're going to be way ahead of most people, so I would say yes. Anyway. Um, And then last but not least, we have Urza Skylax. Three mana legendary artifacts. For two white, white, and tap. Exile Urza Skylax. Each player chooses six lands they control. Destroy all other permanents. Activate only as a prophecy. When Urza Skylax is put into exile from the battlefield, you may pay two. If you do, search your library for a plaintiff... For a planeswalker and a uh, planeswalker card and reveal it and put it in your hand, then shuffle. So, if you can trigger Urza Sky, Urza Sky Silex, that's pretty terrifying in one stretch. If you can make them move their. Yeah, when Urza Skyx is put into your battlefield, you may pay two. So, I guess you may have to, you know. I don't, know. I, I don't know what quite to do with this card and what to how to make of it, but I think it's I think it's pretty neat. I think people are going to pick it up. I think three mana is still an appealing price point. So um, we also have some uh, pretty cool combo or is it a cool watch out combo? I found well I found it on Twitter and wanted to relay it to you. So if you're like to play at a high level of competitiveness, um, this card the, the following card might be something worth keeping your eye on. So it's Suchi Gov or Cave Guard. Okay, Suchi Cave Guard. So this card says 8 generic for artifact creature construct. Vigilance, 4-4. Four, four. When Suchi, gave, uh, Suchi Cave Guard dies, add 8 colorless mana. Until end of turn, you don't lose life until you are uh, until you phase out. Now, this card is particularly interesting Um Oh, sorry. It doesn't phase out. It doesn't, you don't lose the mana. So here's what, I, here's what I want to do with this card. All right? So you need a grinding station. You need an underworld breach. And you're going to need a Thassa's Oracle eventually. And the fact that you can use the... Um, the Suu here, once you sacrifice it, because it dies, you're going to make 8 generic mana, which is going to allow you to cast your... your uh, when you're... Ah, drawing a blank. You can, oh, what's the combo again? Okay, so you can cast, you have a Grinding Station and then an Underworld Breach. So you sac it to the, the Grinding Station. To, it's going to mill three cards and make you eight mana that you can then use to activate Underworld Breach, which is going to be uh, exiling some number of cards and recasting something, presumably. Um, seems pretty good to me, if you have to ask me. Uh, And then, of course, we've got some spicy reprints that are going to be coming along in the form of Diabolic Intent, which is uh, a very powerful draw spell. Um, So, yeah, there's that. And then, of course, we have... Into our usual business before we get to bed. Uh, All right, so giveaway reminder, folks. Um, For our giveaway, uh, we're going to be announcing the winner next week. So if you you, you want to get a chance to win the Bootlegger Stash or you want to win... um, or you want to win the mh2 pack be sure to like and su- like fo- like us follow us and, sub- and subscribe to the channel uh, or, or to the, to, on Twitter and then retweet it including the hashtag at sorry hashtag epic expcast. that way I can find you and we can try and get you your prize um, otherwise uh, if you want to email us you can always email us at the epic experiment podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at, at @epicexpcast, or on Instagram at the same uh, h- handle, @epicexpcast. Um, you want to find our deck? It's located uh, on moxfield.com. I just had to move that aside. Please use the username the Epic Experiment Podcast, so you can make sure you find our decks, not someone else's. Um, also, if you are listening to us on your favorite pod uh, podcast app. Uh, podbean google play itunes uh the lotus council maybe even or something else please make sure that you like follow and subscribe um really appreciate it and uh thanks very much for spending the time with me tonight i know it's weird just to have me and recording not not have but um deemed it getting late enough i wanted to get get this done and get it uh, out to you guys you enjoy thanks very much have a great one